Welcome to this episode of Ripping on Bodice Rippers. My name is Kim. And I'm Jenny. And this week we're reading Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And before we get started, let's catch up a bit. It's been two weeks. Two weeks. We Uh, took a little unplanned break because we were both stressed out of our minds. Yeah, midterms came and it, it hit us hard. But it's not even like it's a wave. It's just like it crested a little and it stayed that way. <laughs> like it, I don't think it's let up is the thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like uh, after this, I'm just going to write a paper and then cute, edit my thesis. <laughs> Fun. But I've been crossing a lot of things off of my personal uh bucket list yeah but it's romance ah i see what you mean bucket list Uh uh-huh to be more crass it's my sex bucket list do tell what have you crossed off that you're willing to share (laughs) in a car Uh uh-huh in a car at the drive-in uh-huh uh have you already done it during a movie or is that also Oh, and yeah, that's you, yeah. happened so many times. Never mind. But out of respect to the apartment, I have not done it on the couch. Yes, because living room. Shared space. And you know what? I am the one who lives downstairs. Everyone else lives upstairs. So it would just be a personal affront. <laughs> okay, but we all use the couch. Right, but I'm closest to the couch. And everyone else could probably n- not hear and I would have to, like, obviously do something, like, put on my TV or... Yeah. So I wouldn't. So I wouldn't pay attention. But you know, like, in the background, it'd be, like, muffled noises. And I'd be like, please. You don't want to hear, and yet you want to hear every detail afterwards. Yes. Which I respect. I respect You know, that. it's closed door in the moment, and then after the deed is done, I want to <laughs> know all about it. Yeah. It's just the way it goes with me. That's the only thing I'm accomplishing of late, I'm afraid. That's Everything okay. else has just been work, school, work. Yeah. Like, I can't think of any personal accomplishments. I can only think of academic ones or, like, work frustrations, and that's it. Like, I I guess I read a book for fun, but I didn't like it. Oh. And books for fun come few and far between now yeah. that we have... I have school and then books kind of like for work or I feel like I should read uh, if we're doing like events and stuff and then the podcast. So they're slim pickings and I didn't like it, which is a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. And this one I didn't like either. The Harbor. Yeah. I was going to say let's. That's that is a bummer because the book we read for the podcast this week was not the best. Right. And I was thinking maybe it's just me. And no. and then I checked in with Kim. And I was like, oh, okay. It's us. Yeah. It's, it's not just a personal thing. We were really excited about this one yeah. too because the plot is it sounds great. It sounds great. Like I said earlier to you, the idea mm-hmm. strong. Yes the execution poor yes and the thing is we were talking about this way before we even started the podcast but we wanted a good balance of like straight romance and queer romance and traditionally published or and like indie or self-published and so harbor seemed like uh like 
a home run essentially because it's about a polyamorous relationship to men and a woman traditionally published by mm-hmm. Rebecca Weatherspoon, not traditionally published, um, independently, s- independently published, okay. um, by the author. And she is super well known. Is she? Yeah. Oh. So she has, um, another series that I've actually read from her before. It was like a short, like novella series. Let me try and it's called the sugar baby trilogy oh wait i have read rebecca Witherspoon. you have so sweet so right and so for real and i, I read, I've read so sweet and i read um the first two in that and then stopped have so you've also read so sweet yeah i think so on script uh-huh yeah because i have a script account and kim shares it now so you saw it and then you read it <laughs> correct but you forgot about it uh i rarely remember authors Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So we've both read Rebecca Weatherspoon then. Which is surprising because I feel like So Sweet didn't have the same problems that this one had. So I really didn't. Like I didn't read this and be like, "Hmm, uh, it didn't ring any bells for me. I was like, oh, the style isn't, this is not familiar. That's really interesting because I think I had the same problems with So Sweet that I had with Harbor. Mm. where I felt just like disconnected and it felt like sometimes heavy but then with like crassness that didn't mesh well yeah well let's get into it let's dive in why don't you give us the synopsis yeah here we go betrayed and set adrift months before she's set to walk down the aisle assistant district attorney brooklyn lewis suffers an unthinkable loss it's bad enough her fiance is violently taken from her but along with her grief she must also process the fact that the man of her dreams was unfaithful friends and family want to see her heal but brooklyn doesn't know how to move on from trauma and deception until she discovers she's not the only one broken by this tragedy a light in the storm Attorney Vaughn Coleman and his partner Chris Shaw have also lost the love of their lives, who was found lifeless in the same bed as Brooklyn's fiance, taken from them by the same killer. Unmoored by grief, Brooklyn, Chris, and Vaughn fall into a relationship that both fulfills them and threatens to pull them under the waves of guilt, but they soon realize it may take the love of three people to bring their battered ships back to shore. And then my favorite part of the synopsis at the very end in stars. This romance features a polyamorous relationship between two men and a woman with BDSM overtones. That it does. That it does. And you know what? I was excited for said overtones. So was I. And it didn't, it didn't really right. do it for me. No, it didn't either. I think because I wanted to see a scene where Brooklyn was being fucked by them at the same time. Yeah. And it which didn't is what happen. to be fair, which is what Brooklyn also wanted. She right. said that several times in the story. And yes. It just I never didn't we happen. never saw it. I was like, what the um, hell? Okay. So that, you know, synopsis mm-hmm. led me to believe that there was gonna be a mystery aspect yes. to this. Uh-huh. And it was set up and then it never was resolved. What do you mean? They know who the killer was. Well, yeah, but it was like still like a little bit of mystery surrounding the fact. Okay, so Corinne is, Va- is Vaughn and, Vaughn and Shaw's. Shaw's lovers mm-hmm. um, who was cheating on them with Brooklyn's lover or fiance. Josh. Josh. Yeah. And 
she had a crazy stalker who like broke into their hotel room while they were together and shot them both. Mm-hmm. The mystery there being, we don't know why that stalker or like how he found her, how he got obsessed with her. He was just like, yeah, it said something about him like emailing an old email uh, address right. because he found an old Facebook account or mm-hmm. something, but yep. we don't know exactly how he found her profile to begin with or or why he right fixated on her. Yeah, and then also this whole thing of like Shaw and Vaughn were very very shocked that Corinne was cheating on them. Mm-hmm. They also was like grappling with the whys and the hows of it the whole story. Yeah. And that also was just never yeah, explained not that there's a good explanation for cheating. Right. In I a think, narrative you would think that. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of my issues with this book is that it sets up that Brooklyn, Shaw, and Vaughn all have this deep emotional trauma. And it even says in the synopsis, like, the love of three will bring back their battered ships. So you think, like, okay, like, real progress is going to be made on right. that front. Mm-hmm. And it's more, like, left open-ended where, like, one of the characters, Vaughn, Shaw, get, goes to therapy, um, which... He said he's going to therapy. We never saw. We never see actually it happening. Yeah, right. Which is again why I think it felt so impersonal sometimes because mm-hmm. a lot of the progress is just never shown. Yeah, like we're told they're made. Yes, but it, mm. and then we don't see like any sort of actions really happen to prove that they they worked on themselves. I mean, at the very end, like the epilogue. It's just like, oh, we're in a commitment ceremony and Brooklyn's living with Vaughn and they're supporting each other and Shaw's going to therapy the end. Right. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh-huh. This doesn't feel like gratifying because yeah. I wasn't able to actually see them work through it. I agree. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, we are. Sorry. Let's start with a quick character synopsis because there's a lot going on with this dynamic yeah so we have brooklyn Mm -hmm. who was engaged to josh yes and then we have vaughn shaw and corinne who are all in a polyamorous relationship together Mm -hmm. corinne started cheating on vaughn and shaw with josh yep as we were as we said unbeknownst to any josh's fiance and Yeah. yeah her two lovers and how uh brooklyn meets vaughn and shaw is because they're roped up in this murder investigation together mm-hmm. where uh josh and corinne were shot so then of course the police had to you know question everyone question yeah. everyone that's how they discovered that they got cheated on which horrifying yeah it said something like brooklyn thought that josh was just like on a trip mm-hmm. and it wasn't until either she like called asking because he was like late coming home that she even learned he was dead and then right. she had to be questioned by the police yep um learn that her fiance was cheating on her and it opens with her doing like a lot of emotional work mm-hmm. for her dead fiance's family um at his funeral which then does Vaughn or Shaw show up? Vaughn does. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's Vaughn that shows up. Yeah. Um, and he shows up because Corinne's family 
mm-hmm. hates the fact that they that she was in a polyamorous relationship with these right. two men so they completely after her death shut the both of them out yeah so vaughn who's the more like sensitive one mm-hmm. more in touch with his feelings has a lot of emotions uh who like can't be at this funeral and he gets really upset and then he mm-hmm. seeks that closure out by going to josh's funeral yeah to try and find some sort of explanation as to why mm-hmm. one of his partner was cheating on the both of them or at least like someone else who gets it right like, and that's how he runs into brooklyn and but then we the, the oh, go ahead. one of the problems one of the issues i have uh is the author tries to differentiate between Sean or Vaughn and Shaw, oh, and what yeah. we got was Sean because they're yes. they're not distinctive enough. So whenever she switches POVs, it's so hard. It's I have no idea who's talking. Yeah, I actually normally Kim and I, even though we live together and we see each other all the time because we're both taking virtual classes. We try not to talk about the books that we're reading because we want to get like firsthand reactions. But I just like could not help myself. And today I was like, can you tell the difference? No, I can't. I can't either, Um, which I think was another big complaint of mine because I was always Mm -hmm. having to be like reminding myself as I was reading like, okay, this is Yvonne who's speaking. And sometimes I would forget until it said Shaw did this. And I'd be like, shit, I've been reading this wrong for like five pages and didn't realize. Well, and then the other thing is, even if you do that, it doesn't really affect the plot. No. Which just then further my point that they're not that different. Right. Because if they were different separate characters, yeah, it would be a problem in understanding Mm-hmm. for you to switch them up but they're not because they're essentially functioning the same way yeah and the thing is too like we don't know much about like their hobbies per se especially Vaughn it's I all think. very surface level like, like Shaw does like woodworking and he's more stoic and he likes his personal space and likes musicals right oh I forgot for that. some reason and and Vaughn is, like you said, more sensitive in touch with his feelings. Is he the one that has the dog? Is the dog his? Oh, God. There's also a dog involved. We don't know whose owner it is. Uh, <laughs> the dog's name is Roger. Uh-huh. But I don't know about Vaughn's hobbies. Yeah. There's, like, some stuff about, like, Marvel memes, but that doesn't feel specific enough. Right. To be like, okay, there's a personality there. It's like when people throw out Harry Potter for like yes um to like establish personality being like i'm such a hufflepuff i'm like i know you gotta do more yeah i agree that's also how i felt um it felt almost like the typical like boy band description where it's like mm. oh we have the mysterious one and now right. we have the sensitive cute one and, and then yeah. that's all we ever got was shaw is emotionally retentive and uh-huh. ron is emotionally too open and then that's essentially the whole conflict as well right which is frustrating because essentially there's not a good conflict right the whole book is just about whether or not Shaw, Vaughn, and Brooklyn will enter a relationship right period like that's it like sometimes 
like they meet and then it flashes forward and then they are trying to decide um like if if they're good to have sex with each other or if they want to enter into a relationship and that's it like we just see the beginning of their relationship where they agree to all get together and then it flashes forward to the epilogue where they're having a commitment ceremony right and we never see the actual relationship yeah so then it makes the most of the conflict all internal conflicts Mm -hmm. which is fine if you do that well because if your characters are convincing enough then their emotional turmoil will feel like an actual conflict but because this is so like almost stereotypical like very surface level like oh i don't want to get hurt so i'm gonna emotionally withdraw right explicitly said then you're just like okay yeah that's the thing too everything's told Mm -hmm. and not shown so yeah so instead of just like oh we have a scene where all three of them are on a boat and it's kind of I think that was my like favorite scene and then at the very end it's like Brooklyn had such a good time today she could really see a future with them I was like oh my god like I know you just showed me you showed me a blip of what their day-to-day would look like I don't need it told to me too Mm -hmm. that like she's maybe thinking of it like well and instead of being like because it's in first person right so instead mm-hmm. of her explicitly being like oh it was such a good day um right. i can see myself entering a relation what if she's like oh this is such a good day it's gonna be even better when it's like july 4th and we're out in the water and right. there's fireworks and then she catches herself and be like oh shit july 4th is like months away and right. i'm like future planning yeah and she could even like do something like I didn't want to leave sort of thing. Like the mm-hmm. weekend was up and I knew I had to go to work, but there was something still pulling me back. Right. Like, felt like there was unfinished business. Yeah. Like then that's a good way of being like, okay, so we know they're going to see each other again and we know there's some deeper feelings here without saying, I think I'm falling in love with these people. Because I was, I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah, yeah, and then there was a hint of an external conflict towards the end. Yes. When they're all three, like, on a date together, like, out eating at a restaurant. Right. And one of the investigator of the murder, even though the murder was already declared closed. Yeah. It's came such a up silly... and, like, strong-armed them, essentially. And yeah. was like, no, this looks shady. And now, like, I could op- I could reopen the case because there's, like... Mm-hmm. like if you guys you guys now have a better motive blah blah blah, and then it right. just didn't go anywhere right essentially like brooklyn just talks to him on the side and she's like you know me i didn't even know that corinne existed until you told me that and you're just silly to assume that like just because i'm i know these men that we somehow killed them and he's like yeah you're right but in, even though he basically like acquiesces in this and this guy's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry that was uncalled for. She's still like, no, we should be apart because just in case or something. I'm like, make it yeah. make sense. It was like just in case, but also because she's um, an ADA. Mm-hmm. It's a very politicized job. So all three of them were like, oh, we don't want to jeopardize her career. Right. Which is valid. But then that was also never addressed at the end. I guess they were just like, oh, never mind. Right. And the thing is, all of these external conflicts 
would be much better if we actually saw Vaughn, Shaw, or Brooklyn outside of their relationship. Yeah. Because we only see Vaughn and Shaw in scenes where they're either with each other or with Brooklyn. Right. And Brooklyn we only see outside of Vaughn and Shaw when she's like talking to her sister or her friends. Mm -hmm. So I think it might have been a better, like the external conflict might have been a bit more believable if we had a scene... I think the external conflict would have been more believable if we actually saw Brooklyn like at her job and someone just like some like bitch ass dude, you know, like some guy who maybe was already introduced earlier is like, oh, he's always wanted my job and he's just pissed that a black woman got it before him or something. Yeah. And then that would just be like, oh, shit. Like, that's a good reason for her to step back and be like, look, there's rumors flying around. And like as a black woman in this as an ADA, I can't like, mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice my reputation or something yeah. like that. And then that would make the the ending even more meaningful, right? Because then we would have to see one of them or the three of them coming to a compromise or something right. changing that would make it believable that, yeah, they're invested in this relationship and they're going to move forward together mm-hmm. as partners. Yeah. And instead we see at the end... Now she's just like, oh, Vaughn and I moved in together. And while I didn't want to leave my place in New York, we moved to like Boston. But I tried being a district attorney there and I, I didn't get along with them. So now I'm just a contractor or something like an yeah, independent. So we know about his career, but like is Brooklyn not? Isn't that? Oh, isn't that Brooklyn? Oh, God damn. Damn, you messed up between Vaughn and Brooklyn too, huh? Yeah, I, I really did. It got it got kind of muddled after a bit, guys. Because the thing is, Vaughn is also an attorney. Mm-hmm. So, you know, shit got messed up. Yeah, it just says, after some soul searching and then some job searching because the Boston DA and I didn't see eye to eye on literally anything, I found a consulting gig that pays me, that pays more and makes me much happier. Okay, and all right, like, fine. Okay, but... I think I would like to see this book start like we've decided to be together. The com- the commitment ceremony happens and then it's like the so what does this hap- happily ever after actually look like? Right. Where we see her dealing with like maybe some fallout with that DA. Yeah. Or we see Vaughn and her actually live together and like how they communicate as like mm. living partners. But we don't also- see any of it. I don't know if it was just me not paying enough attention, but the geography of this relationship makes no sense to me. So, I I mean, I don't understand geography. So, I mean, neither do I. Yeah. Brooklyn lives in New York. Right. And Vaughn and Shaw live separately, but away. Yeah. At the, in the Cape. Where, on the Cape? Cape? What Cape, though, Kim? to be fair like i said we don't know u.s geography because hey north carolina public school system didn't teach us geography so you know write in explain but it just sounded like the whole book there was a lot of commuting and yes if you know me you know i hate driving yeah i know because when she's when brooklyn's talking with her sister she's like damn don't drive so long for a dick appointment or something. You're just wasting gas. You've seen me complain about a 30-minute drive. Right. 
And it seems like she's doing a lot longer. Yeah. Like, I think she's driving from New York to Boston. I don't think there's a cape in Boston. Oh, wait. There's Isn't a cape there? in the same state as Boston. Is it like Cape Cod? Yeah. That's, is, that, is that the cape we're talking about? Is it Cape Cod? Listen. I'm the wrong person to be asking. Yeah, we're, this is not our area of expertise. But anyways, I was just like, wolf, girl, you're already a traumatized. Ah, it is Cape Cod. I, I can, I searched. That is a ride. And yeah. especially out of New York. Fuck. Right. And then Cape Cod to Boston is 70 miles. So all I'm saying is, A, they're already all emotionally traumatized and hesitant to like jump back into a thing. Mm-hmm. B, Brooklyn's new to polyamory, so she is still freaking out. Right. So if I think if that was me and those two things are already happening and there's a thing of me having to drive 70 miles out of New York to Cape Cod to meet these two men that I'm not sure that I want to have sex with. I don't think yeah, I, I don't think it would happen. I think I would talk myself out of it. Right. And the thing is, this book is pretty short. Like, on the iPhone, it's only 243 pages. Um, and I think it's less on your iPad. And we don't see them interact that much together. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, we see Vaughn talk to Brooklyn at the very beginning. And right. then they all have this, like, weird meetup at a hotel. Thank you for bringing that up. Because yeah. I was going to say, there's there was also no build-up essentially they meet they're all super hot for each other because they're three very attractive people Mm -hmm. but the next time we see them they're immediately right gonna explore it and have sex so there was no like if it's gonna happen if it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. like it was just right away like okay we're meeting up right and and good for the open communication but like we see them that first time all three together then they hook up and then they like take some time so Brooklyn can think and then they meet up again and fuck again and then they got to take time because of that third act conflict we talked about uh-huh and then we see them all together for their commitment ceremony and that's part of why I asked you if it was an erotica novel and like I agree that it's not just because right. there's not enough actual sex but it's just that every beat of the story mm-hmm. like every time the story progresses as as in terms of their relationship it comes with a sex scene yeah or the implication that they had sex so i was like oh they're not like hanging out together right like there's that scene where like brooklyn shows up and she's like connects eyes with chris she's like oh okay this is how it's gonna go and then he literally finger fucks her he doesn't even say hi he just goes up, opens her door, and finger fucks her. In the car, on the driveway. I was like, what? Okay. Like, hot. Yes. Yeah. But unless they're in an established relationship, I'm not going to believe that this is anything but sex. Yeah. And I had a really hard time seeing the emotional connection there. Right. So let's talk about their second, like their first meeting as a group of three. So like I said. Yeah. Brooklyn and Vaughn meet at her, at Josh's funeral. Mm-hmm. They exchange info and they're like, okay, well, none of, like, no one else is going to be able to understand what we're both going through because it's right. clearly a special situation. So here's my contact. If you need someone to talk to, reach out, whatever. Right. 
So eventually she does and she invites them to her hotel because she's in Boston. She's like in the area okay. for some reason. Yeah, in the area for some reason. Invites them to her hotel and they both go. And the, my problem with this scene is it's that... so fucking weird. It's so weird because she is grieving, not doing well. Mm-hmm. Invited two strangers to her apartment because right. she... Or to her... Hotel room room because she didn't trust them enough to go to their place, which is fair. But then why didn't you wear pants? Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, so she doesn't feel comfortable meeting them at their place. But then you invite them to your hotel room where no one can make sure that you're safe. Like, why wouldn't you go to a public place? Right. And then you have to wear clothes. (laughs) Right. And then she's also just wearing an oversized shirt and panties yeah and like is sitting and that's not how you meet strangers at least yeah. that's not how i meet strangers i was just baffled by that and i was like okay and she's just like very blasé like no care in the world sort of thing yeah but she doesn't seem to have that gumption throughout the entire book right because like i like we said she's an ada and it was established that because of her job as an offense deter or defense attorney she's very like aware of social norms and you know kind of has to be straight laced a little bit Mm -hmm. so it's just strange to me that she'd be like yeah come over to my hotel Mm -hmm. and she's partners of the woman my fiance was cheating on me with right and i also remember like she was sitting like in a high chair or like crisscross applesauce so vaughn and shaw or just one of them yeah saw her underwear and what did they say i was gonna wait until what did they call it but might as well bring it up oh they said God. they could see a, a what a whoosh. gentle impression of her labia against her underwear it's such a horrible <laughs> what the fuck image? is that an impression of a labia like yeah not the but an impression of over her like okay i get it right but it's just the way she phrased that it sounds like bad perfume commercial slogan mm. where it's like a whisper right. of vulva escape with us and put on this impression of Olivia, and you'll have the time of your life it's, like, it's not even sure. the real Olivia; it's just the concept yeah it. okay my note i didn't <laughs> i think maybe i was just like okay, this is what this book is going to be. Because before or like soon thereafter, yeah, like literally three pages after, Chris is, or Shaw, Shaw's first name is Chris, by the way. Um, He's like, I'm a little sad. And she she just responds, you like titties, Chris? I can flash you. I'll show these titties and put a smile right on that face. I was just like, okay, okay, I need to take a break. And I wrote in my notes, what in the hell is this conversation? She's meeting two strangers for the first time in her hotel room mm-hmm. in underwear, telling them she'll flash them. I'm like, what? I've never seen grief coped like this before. I, I mean, you know, people cope how they want, yeah. but it's just like it was very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and also while we're talking about Brooklyn's boobs, I had such an issue. It was so weird. <laughs> Okay, we've talked about fat representation extensively. Yes. She is a fat character. They mm-hmm. use the word fat plus. and plus size? Or was I know it just they plus, say size? plus size? Because um, 
in the beginning of the novel, it does the very, like, this is what I look like. Yeah. And it says, I'm plus size by definition, but my overall appearance isn't what grabs the attention. My breasts are fighting to get out of my coat. My nickname's been Big Big Booby Brooke since the sixth grade. God. So my problem there is, A, fighting to get out of your coat. Oh, and they use fat, by the way, too. Um I change into my red bikini that shows off every inch of my fat body okay. and just barely supports my tits. Right. And so this is the thing. I think I brought it up when we talked about... Um, spoiler alert? Sp- yeah. <laughs> I brought this up when we talked about spoiler alert, where I really liked that when they were talking about April's fatness, it was fatness as a whole. Mm-hmm. And But in this book, it was just like titties. Right. And, and titties only yeah (laughs) oh my god they talk about her her like boobs as like a shelf and like straining to get out of her coat like rebecca i know you're a woman and like i know you know that coats don't normally have that issue it's like what are you talking about i don't know i think of a coat you like just zip it up i've had a hard time zipping up coats over my boobs okay so but are they like they're definitely like pushed in or they're pushed up. I guess my interpretation of that sentence was like, oh, she, she could have a snip, nip slip at any moment now. Oh, I didn't. I read that as more like her breasts were like suffocating her. Okay. Which I've definitely felt. Okay, before. gotcha. Yeah. And there's like little things too where it's like, okay, you understand like how boobs work because like she talks about like laying something on her boobs oh, while yes. she's eating, which like I have done many a time <gasps> using my boobs as a shelf. Um but other times I'm like, what's what? happening here? Yeah. I, yeah, like I've always heard like, you know, the phrase before is like, my nipples are straining against mm-hmm. blah, blah, And it happens in, during sexy scenes to like right. give out the impression that like, oh, she's going to flash them right. at any moment. But that makes sense in the suffocation thing too. But I just wish that her fatness wasn't so fetishized. Fetishized. Uh huh. And that it wasn't solely focused on her boobs. It was almost like, oh, it's okay that she's fat because her boobs are attractive. Yeah, that's the thing. I think I'm struggling with fat representation in romance where it's like there's only like one acceptable version of fatness. And that's if you have like the hourglass figure and you're fat. Like, then it's okay because you have boobs and you have bigger hips mm-hmm. and it's, and then that's acceptable. And it's like, well, what about skinny people, not skinny people. What about fat people who don't have bigger breasts or they carry their weight in their stomach or thighs? Like, I don't know. Seeing just only romance novels where the fat protagonists are hourglass and therefore, and it's, it's an acceptable fatness is like very underwhelming sometimes. And at least for me, it was a, like I would have felt I would have found it degrading because it's not like oh she got called big booby broken in middle school and now they're adults and no one does that anymore. No people still. Yeah, she says she still gets harassed on the daily, which like obviously that makes sense. Yeah, but I meant like from people in her life too. Like her mm. sister said something about put those titties to good use or something, and then Sean yeah. and Vaughn said like bring those titties down here to see us, girl. At some point, I was like, ew. Yeah, and I don't know. I was just kind of like, 
okay, like it's something now that like I don't even notice or pick up on, mm-hmm. right? Because eventually you're just like, okay, whatever. Like boobs are going to be like always fetishized in some sort of way that it's like something I didn't even realize. Just like, yeah, they like her boobs. So what? But like looking back on it, they only focus really on her boobs and her butt and like her pussy as like parts of her body. And then they don't focus on anything else. It's very like snapshots the entire time. I agree. So then like when the sex scene happened, I wasn't even excited, Mm. I guess. Like always in the sex scene or whenever two protagonists get together in um, a romance novel or any romance thing really mm-hmm. it's supposed to be a, a really gratifying moment yeah right like if you're truly supposed to be rooting for this couple right and for these people like when it finally happens you should feel rewarded mm-hmm. you should feel invested in it and but that I didn't happen for me yeah i mean there's some like moments that i think were well like I remember highlighting, it looks like in my notes, I said, here come the BDSM overtones, hell yeah. But, like, I said that, like, as the scene as was starting, yeah. mm-hmm. and then I literally made no other notes throughout the entire sex scene, because I was just like, okay. Well, cool. do you want to just launch into our segment where we yeah. critique and analyze the sex scenes? Let's. Called, what did they call it? So... The very first time we see them, no, well, the first time we see them having any sort of sexual relation is when Brooke comes to the Cape to visit the boys, and they go down to the beach together, and that part was hot. Like, I really liked yes. that scene. Yes. Okay, so the first time we see them have sex is at the top of chapter eight, mm-hmm. uh, which is page 71 in my Nook ebook version. But it's it was a good scene. I really liked it because it was, like, playful and, like, everyone was enjoying themselves. Everyone always enjoys themselves in this book, which is good. Mm. But there was enough, like, playfulness between all of them that the chemistry was built up. Uh, and for me, that didn't really translate over to the other scenes because Brooke was just so in her head later right. on that it just didn't. Yeah, you're right. There's more, I think there's more personality with Brooke in this scene where, um, you know, Brooklyn's trying to understand what it means to be submissive and what she likes. And Shaw is um, a dom. And so when he's asking her, like, oh, how does that feel? And she's like, am I required to tell you? He says, yes. He she kind of, like, plays with her a bit. And she's like, it's fine, I guess. And they have this, yeah. like, give like back and forth right, a like little. a flirtation yeah. i think that's the thing i'm missing from this is they don't flirt yeah it's just very direct like hello let's fuck now i have feelings bye flirting's fun yeah it, flirting's fun it builds up some tension it like you said shows personality it's mm-hmm. like the way people flirt it's yeah. a lot and, and i guess we see that with her and vaughn yeah, but in very, but, like, small ways. Like, she just calls him Vani. Right. Or, like, they send memes to each other. And that's the thing, too. It's, like, texting, for sure, is a really great way to show flirting in a lot of, like, modern romances. Mm-hmm. And we've seen bits and pieces of that here. Right. But nothing, like, for the sake of 
fun. It's always yeah. Uh, the only explicit texting that we get is Vaughn being like, "Hey, beautiful, like, can you come up this weekend? We need to talk." Mm-hmm. But then Brooklyn and him have apparently been sexting all week, and it right, was just, just told that they've been doing that. Right, and I think. I would want to see them like thinking about each other when they're not yeah see in the same like room and instead of just being like oh I was thinking about him a lot like show up show us like a sexting scene where like she comes home from a hard day at work and she needs a stress relief and she reaches out to Vaughn Mm -hmm. and he like does something right and I think that would be good too because they say Vaughn is a switch but I don't think I ever saw him yeah we didn't see him be dominant role and so I think that would have been a great scene to just show like that sort of relationship and how like he can also be a dominant and her be a submissive but we don't ever see that interaction yeah but technicalities aside this book does use like there's no weird euphemisms which yeah thank god because it's already confusing enough when we get into the BDSM overtones to Mm -hmm. figure out what was going on if they had if Rebecca Witherspoon had used euphemisms, it would have been incomprehensible. Yes, I would have been like, I don't even know what body parts they're touching if that happened. Like, right. Already so. during the sex scenes, I had to be like, okay, how does this work? How are they setting up the ropes? Let me think about this. So if they used euphemisms, I think it would all come tumbling down. Right. So yay for pussy cocks. Mm. They called a clit a clit. Hell yeah, they Hell did. Yeah. So... That's that's the good thing. Oh, just a personal take. I don't like titties. I don't like the word titties. Me and neither. They use titties so much. I and don't every time it, I don't I find like, titties <sighs> sexy. I think it's funny if yeah. it's used as like a punchline to a tasteful joke. Yeah. Like if it's used in like banter, that's fun. Um or on the flip side, I also can also find it demeaning. Yeah, exactly. If by yeah. the wrong person. Right. And I think that's what I said earlier, right? right. Is when they is when they like refer to her tits. I'm like, that's I would have I would have been a little offended. Yeah. I would have felt put off by that. But to each their own, I guess Brooke doesn't mind. But yeah. they thankfully Rebecca Weatherspoon uses explicit words when describing bodily autonomy, which is so good because as we'll talk um, the sex scenes themselves are a bit complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're complicated because of the BDSM. I, I won't even say overtones. I think it's, it's just, just BDSM. Yeah. Which is great. It's And it's like good representation because all three of them are very clear and communicative. Mm-hmm. There's a set like um, everyone knows what to expect. Right. From each other and that everyone knows that they can walk away or stop. Or slow down yeah. at any point. It's all safe and consensual. Mm-hmm. They use like a green, yellow, and red, red light system. method. Mm-hmm. Um, so that Shaw, when he's in his dominant position, like knows it's okay. And they also have a safe word. And before things even get really started, Brooklyn like fills out this like form of like, oh, this sounds good, but this doesn't. I'm not sure about this. or And like she stars the things she really likes. Um, but instead of, I think I would have liked to see like a sort of thing where instead of just like one time or two times they like fuck and then this external conflict happens, I think I would like to see more like, oh, we kept meeting up and we explored my checklist. Yeah. 
and like I wanted to see seeing maybe where he pushed her boundaries and end up being good right or it didn't and we see how they all communicate right because that. that is a large part of their dynamic yeah um, like they mentioned like oh do you have like a breeding fetish but like they don't enact on it right because um they haven't figured out like birth control methods yet which is wild <laughs> what uh, yeah, that, I mean not obviously I don't I don't take birth control I have like my own mm. thing like but it's wild that Brooklyn being like oh. a grown woman in her 30s she's I think after 36 or something yeah yeah doesn't have like her own birth control regimen like IUD or right next I mean it's it, not yeah. wrong or right I just like it's rare to mm-hmm. at least to me for well I just think she it's supposed to be like she's so far gone that she doesn't even think about it anymore because she's so hot for them mm, yeah but I don't think I would be able to like dissociate being like oh shit I could get pregnant from this and my whole world would be turned upside down well, I'm just saying you like know? even on a regular basis because like you're not can I say yes I can cut it out if you yeah. want but I was like you're not sexually active but you're still taking them right and then that's the case with a lot of people is like mm-hmm. they get like a lot of girls these days they just start birth control right prior to yeah just as a just in case yeah like as a precaution or for like other health things so yeah it's quite odd and but then they don't explore that they don't explore like her i think she checked spanking and there's not yeah. really a scene where they go into that and i think it would have been a lot more fun and probably flirty too to right. see those like scenes even to just be like i couldn't stay away so we like met in the middle right. and we yeah. had a fun time in a hotel room etc yeah. yeah and they also like broached the topic of like um role-playing a lot where they're all mm-hmm. three clearly like into it and it was like mentioned that shaw was gonna because he's the dom right that he's gonna play like the captain of a ship oh yeah and, like brooke was gonna be the stowaway and it lasted for like two sentences yeah i was like i want to lean into it because then that too like had like flirty yeah and you're like fun. oh okay this is like really nice and like you can actually see them like do this in the long term and it doesn't just seem like fucking it seems like like a right. basis of a relationship i'm missing a lot of of tenderness from this yeah they don't I really mean, i mean we're told they cuddle her and like aftercare yes. is done but again we don't see it we don't see it yeah and she has a stronger emotional relationship with vaughn mm-hmm. um but we we too don't see it they're like oh we just we talk almost every day and it's like okay well i want to see like, you why talking. are you giving me the summary <laughs> right okay, so after the beach they go oh well they finger her at the beach, and then mm-hmm. blowjob happens, blah, blah, blah. It's really good. It's really hot, and she yeah. feels, like, more ready because she was, like, kind of nervous about how this whole having sex with two men thing is going to work. Right. Rightfully so. Um. So then later that day, they take her to the playroom. Yeah, they do. And that's when the BDSM stuff starts happening. And <laughs> I got to say... um. They bring up the the fucking machine. Yes. And I, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Every time they brought it up, I was like, please explain. Because um, it's not like it's just a mounted dildo that she fucks herself on. Yeah. It's this like rocking chair contraption. Yeah. But I 
I don't understand how it works. I also, because, like, like, when I, when it first was brought up, Rebecca Witherspoon only called it a fucking machine. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's one of those, like, the ones that's, like, super scary, like, saddle-looking thing that um, the girl is, like, strapped slash, like, mounted on, and then it just vibrates, like, an earthquake-style that's only used in porn like i don't think anyone find actual pleasure from it but apparently that's not what it is because she later describes it to be like a rocking chair and then my brain was just like well how does how does that work right because i was like they don't say whether or not like the dildo on the machine is like wood or like what material it's made out of we know that shaw's a carpenter so I mean I hope it's not wood. I mean, have you seen like those old like masturbatory machines that they they were made out of wood? Oh gosh. Yeah, but anyways, I'm thinking it's silicone. It's probably bendy. But I'm thinking if you're sitting back, uh-huh. And it's already cuz you have to sit down on it and then sink back. Yeah. So it's already inserted on you in you and then you move back and forth. Like, it has to be then, like, at a certain angle right? on yeah. the chair in order to actually go in and out. Right. But then it's, like, everyone's body is different, and he's <laughs> made this playroom with him and Vaughn in mind, and Vaughn is a really tall, lanky man. They always talk about his long legs, and Brooke is really short. And so I don't get it, because the position would be meant for, like, a six-foot-plus tall guy who's inserting it in his ass instead of, like, a five-foot-something woman woman inserting it in her pussy. I, yeah. That's just well, like, and let's oh. talk about the actual, like, dildo part of this contraption. It's on page 89 in my version. The thing is solid black and maybe 10 inches long. It's thicker than a Coke can around. I forgot. I forgot about the Coke can reference. Excuse me? I mean, I know that exists because I've watched a cut video where they were talking about their sex toys and someone brought out a monster of a dick. Yeah, I know they exist too. Um, I, you know, there's, I've there's seen a it. great scene in Act Your Age, Eve Brown, um, which, we'll, which, which we'll, we'll be reading, cover. hint, hint, that also has a monster dildo. Like I know this. they exist. My thing is, Brooke, who is already nervous about this whole thing to begin with, slash said it herself uh it's bigger than any toy i own i know i can walk this back and ask for something smaller Mm -hmm. and she shrugs and then says let's do it that doesn't seem like the affirming yes that i would want out of a partner well yes and also like i don't think there was any difficulty either she just like took it yeah. And I was like, girl, I know that hurts. That's not, I know it hurts. Yeah, that's not how that works. Like, the first time, like, I used a dildo, it literally took, like, many tries, like, over weeks for mm-hmm. it. And it was, like, average-sized. Right. So if that's bigger than anything she's ever inserted in herself, it's going to be, like, a lot of warming up, a lot of, like, easing down, and then, like, waiting. Yeah. And then, like, okay, you can do more. Like, right. Like, yeah. her muscles are going to, like, tense up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it just it, doesn't make sense. So, this is another trope that I don't like because, you know, it's described she took, she sunk it down. <laughs> it's in there. And she says, 
fuck, I cry out as it presses against my cervix. It hurts. I won't lie. Yeah. It does hurt. Okay. Because anything hitting your cervix? Painful. Painful. Yes. Okay. This is what I don't get because it's also in a lot of porn stories where they're like, oh, it hits, it hits my, my cervix. cervix. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm... Immediately s- takes me out. I'm like, ow. ow. Yeah, that's the trope that. I hate. Uh, just anyone who's ever had a pap smear experience can mm. tell you how much it sucks for something to touch your cervix. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to experience that. At my next physical. In a week from now. Um, <laughs> Everyone wish Jenny luck. Yeah. But, too, like, it, she doesn't seem to, like, feel pain in the sense that it's not pleasurable. Like, immediately yeah. it says her whole pussy is blooming. Uh, it, both blooming. at his words and, hit, and, like, the toy itself. Right. I'm just like, how are you feeling, like, instant gratification from this new toy? Right. And that's my problem with this is because like there wasn't actual foreplay like they kind of vaguely talked dirty to her and then right. Vaughn tied her up in the rope all things that like you know would make you like turned on right but I don't think enough for you to be able to take a, yeah a I 10 inch monster dildo she's had to like come first to just get the lubrication yeah right like you would think yeah Where's the scene where they're tying her up? Because I want to go through this. Because for me, it's the same page as when her her pussy is blooming. Okay, okay. Let me go to the pussy blooming. I don't know if I've been doing it wrong my whole life or what, but I don't think I've ever could ex- describe anything my vagina does as blooming. Okay, so let's see this. She's still wearing her t-shirt while she's on the fucking machine, I guess. And then Vaughn um, is tying her up with rope. And I truly, like, I was reading this at night. I was going to bed. And I literally had to put this down and just, like, think, like, how? Because obviously I don't know rope knots or anything. But it also just doesn't make sense how, like, all of a sudden her boobs are defying gravity. Yeah. So, okay. Read it. Read that out. Yeah. Okay. He takes his time. And once he's done, I'm starting to get it. Um, and this is after he's looped the rope over her shoulders, between her breasts, and around her wrists. So there's nothing, like, propping her breasts up at this moment. Okay. It's just okay. in the between. The in thing the- that was also not made clear is, is her wrist are her wrists in front of her or behind her? That makes difference. Right. So I don't know. And it's only between her breasts. So there's nothing holding her breasts up yet. Mm-hmm. And then he's run the rope on either side of my breasts still doesn't hold you up if it's just going to be on the other side then loops it around so a strip of the woven nylon is running on either side of my now hard nipples but the thing is either side of your nipple so like laterally or horizontally (laughs) and also she talks about how like she has big boobs and they don't defy gravity like right they are big and that's just that's how it works and as someone who has bigger boobs your nipples aren't going to be up so if if there's rope between the crevice of my boobs and then on the side my nipples are still pointing down like one of my the bigger my boobs is just always touching my the nipples always touching my stomach it doesn't move so like how how is this lifting her in any way i don't think it is but they say it does and i'm 
confused. I'm also confused because it never said under at any point. It's just the sides and then somehow from the sides to the side of her nipples. If they lifted under or like did like a crisscross. Yeah. And then like tied around her neck and then back down again. Yeah. Uh, But somehow bound her wrist somehow on the sides of her breasts. Somehow... Uh, loop the ropes in the shape of a heart just below my collarbone mm-hmm. how does one rope do all of that right and she says gravity wins every battle versus my huge tits but Vaughn managed to create a nice shelf of rope for my breast to sit on how, how? it's just <laughs> on each side and below and where your nipples are and a cute little heart and then somehow. a heart on your collarbone which is not where you cannot su- support your breasts I almost wanted to google and yeah, then i too. thought better of it and then i was like i can't do that yeah because i'll just get into like some shit that i don't want uh-huh agreed i was like i don't i don't want to you know get all those spam emails yeah and i was like well, maybe if i search like nautical not right I, eh. I just honestly like could not comprehend this so if anyone else does listeners out there please like just just send us a little drawing of how you think it's supposed to be or like a picture but like over your shirt yeah that would be great let's be explicit we are not asking for nudes right or just like even draw how the rope could become a heart (laughs) because what we're very confused yeah Make it make sense. I was just like, you know what? This is the thing where I'm like, I don't know anything about this. So even though it seems nonsensical. Right. I'll give it a pass. Yeah. And to be fair, like that would be hard to describe, especially to people who like have never have no earthly like concept of it. Yeah. So we're going to give her uh, it's a benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Benefit of the doubt. It's a big question mark, but. One, I'm not going to ponder anymore. I'm just going to take it at face value. Um, but this sex scene goes on throughout um, chapter 11 as well. And I think it was pretty good. It switches to Vaughn's point of view. Um, and essentially, like, he is, like, tied up. Mm-hmm. No, 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 he wants to move around. Um, but he likes pain. And mm-hmm. so he's essentially being, like, paddled. By, by, uh, Shaw. by Shaw and um, Brooklyn's just watching the entire time and Vaughn's not allowed to touch himself until he's given permission and yeah. I thought that was hot mm-hmm. I was like okay Agreed. and there's like little stuff that will like take me out because I'm like just me thinking he's like talking about how like his pre comes like on a puddle on the ground and I'm like it would be so cold against your feet <laughs> like I'm like ooh <laughs> I don't think it landed on his feet. But no, no, but he's walking around. Oh, oh, you know. Uh, so there's it's little things like this where my brain's overthinking, and I know it's not the fault of the writing. It's just me being like, okay, shut my brain off. It's fine. This is hot. Yeah, we're overthinkers, but that shouldn't be surprised anyone because we started a whole podcast in order to dissect yeah romance novels yeah. Uh, but anyways, after that sex scene, there was really not 
a lot more BDSM stuff. No, unfortunately not. Like, they have sex a bunch more times, but it's, like, light and, like, very normal. Very vanilla sort of stuff. I will say... Which is fine, but, like, again, back to your earlier point about how Brooke's whole goal was to explore her boundaries, and Mm -hmm. we never never saw it being explored after this first scene. Yeah. And... And the sort of, like, first big conflict that happens is that Shaw and Brooklyn get into a fight, like, okay, pause. the night of. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that, because I do you know it. what they're fighting about? No. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> like, it happened, and I was just like, what? what? <laughs> I was literally like, uh, okay. And the thing is... It made it was so obvious after the fight that everyone, including Shaw, thinks that it's Shaw's fault. And I have no idea what happened. Me neither. So like she wakes up and because she, she needs to go to the bathroom and he sees Shaw in the workroom, and then he basically is just like, "Hey, Vaughn's a really sensitive person, so if you're going to do this, you have to like make sure you're communicating with us, or Vaughn's gonna get really hurt." And she just, like, gets mad. Um, Not that, like, Shaw's being respectful, too. Like, it's a warranted reaction because just of how emotionally distant he is. But it, like, escalates a lot. And then she, like, moves to her guest room right after the conversation and immediately leaves the next day. And I don't even know what the big deal was. Yeah. Uh, And... I got the impression that she got mad because he called her out for being, um, like, reserved with them. Mm. And so, like, sure, I can see how you, when you, like, I can see how you would get defensive and then get mad. But I don't think if that's the problem then that everyone, including Shaw, blames himself afterwards. Because he didn't say anything, like, ex- like, he didn't say anything disrespectful. He was just, he was like, uh... Let's see. He says about Vaughn to Brooklyn, he's falling for you already. You are a fucking dream in there. I don't want you to tell him this feels too good to be true or ask him for more proof of how good this can be because he'll show you and he won't stop trying to show you until I stop him. And Brooklyn says, you think you need to protect Vaughn from me and my insecurities? And Shaw responds, no, I think you're going through a lot and it's bringing up a lot of emotions. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. Josh did you dirty, but Corinne did us dirty too. And I know Vaughn blames himself. He'd do anything to make it up to a ghost. How far do you think he'd push himself to make it up to a woman standing right in front of him? Right. But what's what's the conflict? Yeah, he's just saying, listen, Vaughn's really emotionally vulnerable. So please don't try and overstep boundaries. Right, and then the part that made me think that he was calling her out and that she got defensive was he he asked her, what part of this is the part you think you don't deserve? And she goes, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. And he replies, no, but you're suggesting that I have something you can't have or can't imagine having, even though my dick was literally in your ass a few hours ago. If it's me you think you can't have, you're wrong because you've already had me. If it's a relationship like Vaughn and I have, well, and she's like, well, what? And then he says, Josh is gone, broke. Corinne is gone. He hurt you. She hurt me. But the brutal truth is they can't hurt us again. And she's just like, copy that. I'm going to bed. So what part, 
like what about any of the things that he said was so disrespectful to her that everyone after this happened was like oh Shaw such a dick yeah and like Vaughn and him like have a talk about it yeah and I like don't even understand because Vaughn is saying she's a plus-size black woman how many times a day do you think she's going to get messages that she's undesirable 50 100 uh she can be confident but she's a fucking human so I think it makes sense that if we want her to be with us in any long-term way we have to prove to her that we're not using her and that her needs are very real and very real fears are being met but Shaw didn't say anything that he didn't imply that she was ugly yeah he said that he she had him she it, yeah that's the thing is he literally was like why yours. don't you think you deserve us because he's saying you, you deserve us we're you here can be with us yeah we're here and bond is yourself up halfway in love with you yeah all of that is reiterating that she is wanted and desirable so it's not that she's getting a message that she's undesirable or anything like that it was so strange that it then became unrealistic to me i was like oh it's one of those situations where you're just you're both mad and then because of like whatever reason and then you both just like pick a fight over something but you neither of you know what you're actually fighting about right and it feels kind of like the miscommunication trope but at least with that i both know which like each side the people are on and i'm like okay i can at least see this happening and like it's frustrating but whatever but this is doubly frustrating because I don't even know. Yeah, it's not a miscommunication between the characters. It's a miscommunication between the book and its readers because yeah. I don't know. No, it's like a double miscommunication between her and Shaw and then the book and us. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then uh, they just No, but that up. gets dragged out for a bit. Yeah, that's why there's not a lot of sex in this book. Because this weird tension happens, but it seems completely pointless. And then, like, it was never really established before that point that Shaw is, like, somewhat of an emotionally withdrawn dick. Mm-hmm. But then after that, that became his primary yeah, personality trait. Yeah, like, it was mentioned, but it was also like, and I have hobbies like woodworking, I have this dog, and I live on the beach. And then it was just like, oh, Shaw, he's emotionally retentive and is really hard to open himself up and i'm like okay no i want to keep expanding his personality not limiting it more right and it's done by brooklyn too which then sucks because like she's the one that's supposed to be getting to know the both of them yeah as they're getting to know her but then afterwards everything from her perspective was like oh vaughn is so sweet and shaw's kind of a dickhead but i love them both and then that's the only differentiating factor that we got which hence we confuse them all the time and two any scenes with Vaughn and Shaw after this don't really show don't really show their relationship per se it's more like they talk about Brooklyn yeah so we don't see them like flirting or just like being together and being like oh wow they like really love each other I can see that they've been dating essentially for seven years it's more like hey hey Shaw like you were really rude back there and like you need to open up your emotions more and it's like hello I want to see more of like them interacting as like a couple who has been committed to each other for like the better part of a decade right also like that conversation didn't show Shaw as being emotionally withdrawn if anything it showed him being really in touch yes with his partners and now his new partner's 
emotion because he's calling her out and like that's his whole thing is that as a dom you need to read emotions and you need to like pick up on those like subtle hints which he does really well in the bedroom but you're not that's what i'm saying is they're like oh he's like emotionally incompetent but like you can't be emotionally incompetent and recognize other people's emotions yeah it doesn't quite make sense because like there's even this part where he snaps at her a little like during sex as like being a dom and she almost cries instead of just like brushing it off he like talks to her about it noticed it right away yeah and like he calms her down in the moment and then afterward like talks about it and establishes new boundaries and that shows a lot of like emotional intelligence right It's like, so if he can have those conversations, it doesn't quite make sense on the flip side to just not be able to do that outside of the context of sex. uh, Yeah. And like you said, it felt like a regression when it comes to characterization, Mm -hmm. because all of that, all of the, uh, like all of the times we saw him being emotionally intelligent and in tune happened at the beginning. And then after this scene, it's just gone yeah and then it just becomes like vaughn's essentially like the the, the emotional and, boyfriend uh-huh. and shaw's the one fucking her because they don't really do a good job of showing yeah. like her and vaughn's Vaughn. sexual relationship right uh, it's just weird and like i think there's this whole thing where they show like she has a stronger sexual connection to shaw which is but an emotional one to vaughn which is why she keeps coming back because like her and Shaw will have sex without Vaughn and then Vaughn will be like a little pouty mm-hmm. but then like and in the end she describes like Sh- Shaw is like a great lay and she's like Vaughn you're pretty good too um and I know it's supposed to be like flirty and banter but it just sets this up again where like Shaw's there for the sex and Vaughn's there for the emotions when that's not the case at all considering Vaughn and Brooklyn live together so you would think they would have sex together, but we never see them, just them two really doing much. So because of the lack of characterization, do you want to do Simp or Psycho this week? I don't think we have enough. We don't have enough content. Yeah. We have them having sex with each other and talking about each other to the other person. There's no like behavioral thing outside right. of sex for us to... Yeah, they don't, like, say, like, oh, my God, I really want... I think a couple of times Brooklyn's like, oh, I thought about sharing it with this person, right. but then I thought against it. But it's no, like, pining. Yeah. There's no, like, going out of your way for, like, a big love declaration or, right. like, That's showing you care. And they don't care. go on dates, so I can't even be like, oh, simp points, they brought her flowers or right. whatever. Like, it's just not... there. We don't have enough content. No. <laughs> so I think... I'm just going to start nitpicking some stuff that go, really go for it. stood out for me. I couldn't really fit this anywhere, but I still really wanted to bring this up. It was when mm. Shaw and Brooklyn were getting to know each other at the beginning. They like She hasn't had sex with either of them, but they okay. just like, go to get breakfast. Oh, yes. And Shaw says, as he's ordering, he says... I confirm the size of the pancake. Oh, my God. <laughs> then order six blueberry with half dozen scrambled eggs. Yeah. Some salsa on the sides and the biggest glass of orange juice they offer. It's so fucking weird. I was also thinking about this because... Six eggs? I, like, what the fuck? And they say that Shaw's, like, kind of buffer, but Vaughn is skinnier. But then when they all go out to breakfast in the third act... 
the same thing happens where a nice white girl hands us our menus until she'll be back with waters and the gallon of orange juice Shaw has preemptively ordered. And the like, what? And then she says Vaughn and Shaw ordered the rest of the menu between the two of them. Okay, yeah. And the thing what is, the that was never, she didn't even blink, blink. So then so, I'm yeah. like, am I being gaslit right now that this is like a normal meal that a man orders? Like, what was it? Six eggs. It was half a dozen scrambled eggs. Okay, so six blueberry pancakes. So six eggs and six blueberry pancakes, and then like probably half a gallon of orange juice. Yes. It sounds like he's doing a fucking mukbang. I know. He's that like wasn't, mukbang for the day. That wasn't yeah. him and uh, it's just one Brooklyn. Person. It's just his because yeah. Brooklyn orders something else. So I was like, what? Yeah, so weird. And then like, uh, sorry. Go yeah, on. but I was going to say, I expected Brooklyn to, like, then make a comment about it and him being like, oh, yeah, like, I'm really into lifting or something to, like, justify the amount of calorie he's taking in just at breakfast alone. I know. I'm like, poor dude. Like, are you going to fast for the rest of the day? Like, what the fuck is happening? And and later, when after she says Vaughn and Shaw order the rest of the menu between the two of them, it just says, it takes a lot to feed that much man. What the hell does that mean? They're just humans. Just because they're good at sex doesn't mean they need more calories. Yeah, surprise. They both have the Steve Rogers Super super Soldier Serum. And that's why they're super into Marvel. Because they're secretly both Captain America's. Right. Or they're like fucking Michael Phelps who needs to eat like 2,000 calories every three hours or some bullshit. Every three hours? I don't know. There's like this thing after like the 2008 Olympics to be like, what does what does Michael Phelps eat in a day? And he like has a full day's worth of meals after like practice. Oh God. I, you know, as a five, two (laughs) woman, a hundred something pounds, like I cannot comprehend. Yeah. Eating that much food in one sitting. And listen, I've had my problems with overeating and binging sometimes, but But that's never been like that. And it's not like an intentional thing I do either. Yeah. So that's the thing. I was like, oh, this isn't even like a overeating dysmorphia thing because the book was just like, oh, yeah, this is normal. Right. And no one said anything about it that it just made me. I had to like reread it to be like, okay, six pancakes. And half a dozen also is six eggs. Right. And th- wasn't in that scene, he was like, I want to confirm the size of the pancakes. Yes. And when they were brought out, he was disappointed that they were a bit smaller than what he wanted. <laughs> and I was like, dude, have you not eaten in like days? Were you on Survivor and you just got back? <laughs> like, that's the only way I can see there's like some sort of like deprivation going on. It was very odd. I'm. Thank you for bringing that up because I completely <laughs> forgot that it was something I have had like highlighted, being like, "What? what? <laughs> yeah, like one psycho point eats <laughs> like a monster. Yeah, like what are you doing at night when when Brooke's not there? Like, are you just mad exercising all the time? Because it's not That's like we not have either, right? And we don't even like have a scene where they're exercising. Yeah, like. Shaw's just woodworking, and then Vaughn literally doesn't have any hobbies, so. But they're both, you know. Ripped as hell. Ripped as shit. Eating, like, who knows how many days worth of calories in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that weird detail aside, Mm -hmm. the other thing that I kept noticing that really bothered me was just the amount of tiny typos that existed. Right. 
we are not trying to be snobbish when it comes to traditionally published slash independently published yeah but moments like these it's when like when this happens that's when people scoff at and publish yeah and the thing is with established indie authors like rebecca weatherspoon i'm sure she has beta readers right and everything and it's like okay then it's the beta reader's job first and foremost to make sure there's no like extremely triggering content and everything's Mm -hmm. taken well but it's also like you get early readers to make sure that that doesn't happen and you take several passes and stuff so it's just like it was some stuff too like Vaughn's name was spelled wrong a couple times right um pitiful sex (laughs) instead of pitiful sex Mm. I mean, there's been a couple of times throughout this thing where I'm, like, reading the quote and I've stumbled a bit because there is a typo there. Like, I'm just saying, it's it's a book that we paid for. It's a book that you published. Mm-hmm. It should, you know, not have right. that problem. One one or two typos, whatever. I'm not going to pick up on it. Yeah, but if but it's, it... like, a consistent thing where it's, mm-hmm. like, one to several typos per chapter... It takes you out for sure, right? And then you have like, uh, then you wonder like how much editing mm-hmm. went into it. But like we said, you know, we wouldn't have this like when you, when it comes to buying a product, right? You're always going to have a certain expectation of quality, and that's not that's yeah. no different with books. This isn't like posted on a free website or you know, mm-hmm. WordPress or fanfiction.net or whatever. Like we bought it, yeah. So it should be more polished. Right. Uh, For me, I have a couple nitpicks. Um, One is just with like the syntax and word choice. Okay. Yeah. Um, So like Vaughn says he wants to claim Brooklyn during sex, which I guess would like say like, oh, he's a dom. Like that makes sense. But they don't explore that as we talked about. Right. Um, The word saucy is used, apparently, on page 153. I'm just looking at my highlights. Oh, that reminded me. I don't remember if I highlighted or not. I'm I'm pretty sure juicy was also used. Yeah, it's there. It's it's highlighted highlighted here. Let me see. Um, So, yeah, we got claim her, saucy, um, ejaculating or coming is referred to as nut inside, Um, lusty loins. Lusty loin. Kinkstress. Um, Brooklyn squirts a lot, and it's never discussed how squirting isn't, like, the norm. She's like, oh, I squirted, and, like, it got all over Shaw's shirt. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, yep, you're right. I've forgotten about that. Uh, he has a thickness you know. that fills his voice. She has juicy curves. Um, I, okay, what? back to the whole squirting situation everyone's different and because like of medical sexism the a lot of the female like sexual organs we have no idea right about like we don't know why squirting happens what even like what is it mm. blah blah blah. but i think the general understanding is that it's not like we're not talking like geyser level right sprinkler head like yeah drenching the shirt or anything and yeah. once so that was so when that was described i was like oh they're really not gonna s-. like normally when that happens the men get 
have an opinion. Right. They're like, oh my God. Wow. Or like, damn. Yeah. Or if or it's something. like, or if it's like a bad sexual partner, they'll be like grossed out by it. Even right. Even though it's normal. And this just says, my cunt starts to squirt when he finds that perfect spot and we both hit that perfect rhythm, shooting my juices all over his tattooed wrist. They can't see the way he's looking at me or notice how fucking turned on I am by the dark spots I make on his nice clean shirt. They might hear me when I come, when I cry out, whimpering Shaw's name. They might hear me, but I can't bring myself to care. Like, okay, so they went all over his wrist and his shirt. I'm like, how how much are you producing? <laughs> like, what? Was this like an orgasm after an orgasm? Also, perhaps? she was in the car, so R.I.P. that upholstery. Yeah, what? And also, like, just this whole thing. Like, there's, we talked about this. It feels like impersonal. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, it's a perfect spot and a perfect rhythm, and her juices shoot. It's like, okay, but like, did you? Are you making eye contact? What sort of like? Are you talking during this? Is there like dirty words happening? Right. Does, like I would like something where it was even like, oh, it was a bit of an odd position because I was in his car seat. So he lifted my thighs up yeah, for better yeah, access. Yeah. Like even that makes it more believable. Right. And like, it's so strange because like I said, this is a first person perspective story. So somehow we got a first person perspective, but it's so impersonal Distant. that I couldn't, I can't. I was not invested. No. The stakes were not high for me. No. And I think that's something we both struggled with. Like, I literally put this down during a sex scene once and I was like, oh shit. Like, I was speed reading it so we can record today. And uh-huh. Jenny said, I'm done. And that jolted me awake from. Well, where I wasn't I had talking. Asleep. <laughs> I wasn't talking about my book. I was talking about the Asada Assure. Asada Shakur autobiography I was reading. No, but I was reading oh, this oh, book got it. during a sex scene. And you fell asleep. And I didn't even realize my lids had closed. I was yeah. peacefully snoozing. And when Jenny said, I'm done, it literally, I You're dropped like, my iPad on my chest and I was like, oh shit. I was asleep. Yeah. And last night I was reading this and I was like, oh wow, I only have 20 pages left on my iPhone, which literally should, would only take like 10 minutes. And instead I was like, no, I'm just going to go to bed because I like, there's no sort of like, will they, won't they? I don't want to yeah. see the happily ever after. It's just like, okay, I know they're going to end up together. This conflict, this third act conflict is meaningless. Right. And whatever. Well, and the mark of a good book, right, is you need to know what happens next. Right. And like, and even with romance. With romance like, that's a bit harder because, like, the in- the point of being a romance novel is the happily ever after. So, yeah. naturally, all the readers know it's going to have a happy right. ending, but, but it's about the how. how. Yeah. And I just did not give a fuck, and I was really sad about it. Also, because you know, I, I anticipated the how, because the co- the um, conflict was so nonsensical, and mm-hmm. it was so internal of, like, oh, Shaw is a dickhead for some reason. Like some unexplained reason why he's quote unquote rude and emotionally withdrawn that like the obvious solution is they're gonna talk about it yeah and i didn't want to listen to them talk about it because i don't understand so and they've talked so much throughout this but book about what like and they talk so much and it empty. doesn't make sense yeah um so it was just 
like that marker of a good book, like you said, a good romance novel is wanting to know how it ends. And we've also talked about this. It's also that like yearning feeling uh-huh. in your heart. Like I have read some romance novels where my heart like feels like it's clenching. Like yeah. I am hurting because I just need to know. And it's like, it feels like there's a pit in my stomach and I'm uh-huh. like reading as fast as I can. Yep. And this, I was just like, Oh, and it's a short book. Like on my phone, it's 243 pages. And it took me like a whole week to mm-hmm. read this because I just kept putting it down and forgetting about it. There was nary a heart rate, ri- like a heart rate rise for me, let alone a twinge. Yeah. Like, the- it was a steady 70 beats per minute the uh-huh. whole time. The only time I was like, oh, damn, this, I, I want more of this was the sex scene where like Shaw or Vaughn is trying not to come until he gets permission. Yeah. Like that was hot. And I was like, give me more of that. Right. And nope. No yeah. other scene. Because when they're together outside of the sex, it's not a will they, won't it, they, there's no. It's just no. hold hands. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, there's no chemistry tension. or yeah. tension at all, which is, which sucks. So Harbor is the third in a series and mm. we didn't read the first two. So it's like this idea of like, oh, you can pick up whenever and it's totally fine and you might miss like a couple things. It's the whole like Marvel Cinematic Universe thing where right. like you don't necessarily have to watch Captain America to understand what's going on in Ant-Man. Right. right. And like, like this is a, a very big trend in romance. So I'm sure you all know what we're talking about. Um, and But normally when this happens and you pick up like a book later in the series, it's like a subtle like, oh, my friend and her boyfriend like met me up for brunch and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This she's like talking to is Claudia her sister? No, Claudia is just a friend. I'm Cla- pretty sure. <laughs> Whoops. OK. Secondary characters. I don't know their names. Um. <laughs> But Claudia's, like, happy now, so I'm assuming she's the first or second book. Um, but she wants to talk to Claudia because Claudia lost someone I she loved in a super fucked up way. And I'm on page 181. And here we go. This is Brooklyn's point of view. She says, yes, I was thinking of Miles. It sounds almost made up, but Claudia and her brother were hunted through a national for- forest by literal serial killers, and her husband Shep was the one who saved her. Poor Miles wasn't so lucky. She has experience with moving on and finding love after something so extreme. What? <laughs> Excuse me? You don't just drop... Oh, yeah, by the way, she was hunted through a national forest by serial killers. I And that, like, completely is not within the tone of no. this book like yes we like their lovers were murdered and that's how it started but, but this is not a romance is very much, yeah it's very much on the periphery because we've already said they set it up and then they didn't resolve it at all it was just like oh they got murdered and they caught the guy who was a stalker but serial killers yeah and I'm reading it Claudia's book was the first in the series. It's called Haven. And I'm reading the synopsis now. And I'm pretty sure it starts with the serial killers. It's not like a, oh, the trauma has passed and now I'm going to seek out my love interest so thing. It's a, yeah, so it's a suspense. It's Yeah, it's a romantic suspense novel because it says, A week-long getaway, city girl Claudia Cade's carefree life is plunged into chaos when a camping trip with her brother in the National Forest of Northern California turns into a deadly dash for her survival. And it says, like, they're linked in tragedy. 
and then it says Claudia's desperate to heal from her traumatic loss, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking it probably opens with them, and then it does the whole like 18 months later thing, which but is still, which is wild because if you're gonna have a plot that, or if you're gonna have a plot point that dramatic. It, I expect it to be carried through the whole thing. Yeah. Because then it just feels you're doing the ridiculous thing for ridiculousness's sake. Right. It's like, oh, we need to set up that they have emotional trauma. So let's just put this wacko thing like, right. oh, our partners were randomly murdered. It's very Riverdale. And then like, now we're dealing with it. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm sure that happens. And obviously people are killed by serial killers because that's how serial killers work. But like, Trauma can also exist in small things, too, um, and be just as valid. And like, it, yeah. it just feels a bit off because it's like, oh, this big thing happened, but we don't get to see it. And then the whole entire book is trying to be, like, fun and upbeat, <laughs> but also, like, extremely heavy at the same time. Right. It's weird. Like, in a narrative, it's all about tone. Your tone needs to be consistent. consistent. It ain't. Because they'll, like, have like heavy conversations and then Brooklyn will do that thing where it's like you want to see my titties or sometimes they're just like and a look was shared and they just start fucking and I'm like yeah yeah and like maybe that's like her way of trying to break the ice and remind like hey I'm here for you but it reads weird it reads very weird all right uh so that was our experience with Harper uh, I'm going to give it a two out of five mm. ripped bodices. Um, I concur. I've already rated this on Goodreads two out of five. Cute. Because it's not bad enough for a one. No. Because like I think a one is like this is harmful content. Yeah. Or it's like unreadable. Right. Two for me is like, damn, this has a lot of promise and it fell short to my expectations. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. That was Harbor, y'all. <laughs> I mean, listen, we picked a romance, so this is a step up from our last episode. Yeah. But still unsuccessful because he didn't like it, unfortunately. Um, but but that happens. That happens. It's it's worthwhile to also talk about what, what doesn't succeed. So, you know, we can dig deeper into the romance genre. Absolutely. This is ultimately an opinion-based podcast, yep. and we welcome your opinions. So if you really liked it, and if you have any answers that mm-hmm. will clarify the many questions that we yes. had. Especially the ropes. Write in. Let Please. us know why you enjoy it. Let us know why you think we're wrong. And Rebecca Weatherspoon is also a popular author. So if you've read other books by her, too, uh, let us know if these same flaws are present or if you have some other recommendations you think we'll like more. Yeah, our Gmail is at rippingonbodicerippers at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And our Twitter and Instagram handle is at rippingonpod. Yeah, please. We would love to hear from you guys. Email us, DM us, do whatever you want. All right. And next week, we are very excited to yes. read Act Your Age Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. I've read the, fla- f- the two other books in this series, and I was able to get in arc of this one and i love it so i can't wait to talk about it with kim yeah it sounds super fun so thank you for listening to this episode of ripping on bodice rippers please if you enjoyed this podcast rate us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on drop Mm -hmm. us a review if you're listening on apple Podcasts, because apple really likes that and it would help a small podcast out 
Yeah. A lot. Rate, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family. And until next week, practice safe rope play. Bye.